Hey, God Watch people. It's Phil Gothier again with God Watch Podcast. And today I'm fortunate enough to be able to bring to you a woman named Gwen Norlin. It was fantastic to sit down with her, just how open she was with everything that she has gone through with her family life and also with some illnesses. And so I hope that you guys enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy Gwen Norlin. Hey, Gwen. Thanks for coming by and sitting down with me for a little bit. Sure. So it's a, it's a new thing. I've never had a husband and a wife on the show at separate times. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're a first. So we kind of already know a little bit about you, right? Oh, good. But, uh, I don't know what he talked about because he didn't really tell me. Oh, you're going to have to tune in and listen. <laughs> it's going to come out soon. You're going to love it. Uh-oh. But... Uh, yeah, and so he he gave us a little background on the on the family, but well, let's hear it from you too. You know, that's you know, every, you talk to my wife and to me. I mean, we got the same names, but the story might be a little different. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What? Well, so, what do you uh, give us? Give us a little little background on your family, on on you, just so that people can can know a little bit of the background on what, where we're going to go. It's interesting you say that because I think back about when Nelson and I met, and we always laugh about this because I mean. Obviously, we met. He, I was thirty-seven something. He was forty-one, forty-two, and so we knew early on that this was a relationship we were going to pursue. You know, it wasn't just like, okay, yeah, I'll hang out with you for a while. And he started leaving things at my house, and pretty soon I had a whole bucket full of toys <laughs> for this little twenty-month-old little boy. And I'm like, who? What's going on here? <laughs> you know. So. Um, we laugh about that a lot. How he, we never made it official; it, it just kind of happened. <laughs> just slowly <laughs> he just, moved it all just the stuff. Slowly, out. he got a drawer, or whatever. But um, see, I yeah, think so. that's what that's what guys do. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any kids, so I had to like leave a coat and, yeah. a hat and you know, <laughs> yeah, an extra so pair of shoes. Nonchalantly, just started leaving things, and I'm like, so I guess he likes me. I don't know, but <laughs> I keep um, it, keep you around for a little bit. Yeah, keep me around. So, yeah, it was interesting. Our paths were very very similar prior to us meeting, and. Um, had both had a very short, well, mine was extremely short, his was fairly short too, um, relationship with um, people with, uh, mm, I don't know how, to, diseases, um, mentally ill and, you know, abuse, uh, drinking and stuff like that. So. What's interesting when I look back on my, because I was married for six months to somebody um, prior to, to Nels, and that relationship with him, I'd never been around anybody that was um, just crazy. I mean, no better word for it than just crazy. I just couldn't, the way he would think and the things that he would do, I just didn't understand that people could actually do that, you know? I'd never been around somebody like that. and. Um, and I look back now and I think that I was in that relationship, God put me in that relationship to be able to handle the relationship that Nels had with Connor's biological mom. Because when we got together, that was very, very stressful. Now Connor is your, your youngest, right? Connor is our youngest, okay. yeah. Um, when I went into, um, um, into the relationship uh, prior to Nels, I thought it was Christ-based and wasn't. Um, it was, we were together for a very short time before we were married, and um, 
and then we were only married for six months. But interesting enough, I thought God led me to him and thought that that's where I was supposed to be. And then to find out that that wasn't at all anything that I thought it was going to be. And then to meet Nels and to walk into his life and see that God really equipped me in that marriage to deal with um, what what Nels was going through with Connor's biological mom. So, I mean, I don't think God wanted me to marry somebody and get divorced. Obviously, that's not his plan. But I really think that I was in that relationship to be able to handle that because I, I don't understand crazy. I don't, you know, to yeah. me, that's just I don't I don't understand how people can do things things that they do. So, so now. The, the idea that that is a Christ-centered relationship, um, what what led you to, I mean, what was your relationship like with with God at that time? Like, what, what kind of led you down that? To make me think that it was, yeah. I was, very, I was walking very closely with the Lord, and um, this person that I had met was a friend of mine's brother-in-law, and this friend of mine and her husband just had the like on the outside looking in, the perfect Christ-based um, family, you know, relationship. And his brother looked like him, talked like him, acted like him. And, you know, he prayed for our food. He prayed for, I mean, just, he just... He put on a really good show. He put on a really good show, yeah. And um, I'd never been in an abusive relationship before, and it was abusive. I got out very quickly, you know. Luckily, I know some people don't, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, yeah. you know, how the enemy Love talks and, to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the enemy talks to you sometimes and makes you think that you are hearing God and you're not. So, yeah. you know, and that's, I know that I was in a in a long term relationship before my wife, and um, it ended pretty pretty horribly, and it was mm -hmm. kind of the same deal. I know, mean, you know, it, I, it was not. Christ-centered. I, I was not really in my faith at that time, and mm -hmm. um, I remember, yeah, it was just kind of crazy stuff, you know. And I, I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't do these things. And yeah. I remember, I remember one day I wanted to go see one of my buddies. He was in town, and and I, you know, went home from work. Said, hey, I, you know, I'm gonna go out. You know, we're just be out for dinner. You know, maybe a drink or two, and I'll come home and. It was the end of the world. Well, what am I gonna do? Like, you can come with. Well, I don't like your friends. Yeah. I'm like, well, then you can stay home. Yeah. Well, I thought you were gonna stay home. I said, well, what, what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna watch television. Like, <laughs> seriously, like I yeah. can go out and do something, or I can sit here and watch television and have you yell at me. Like, yeah. It's not what I'm. That's not, not what I'm not interested in. Not what I signed in. up for. Yeah. But, you know, and it's funny because I feel the same way. It really equipped me to see the good things that my wife. Mm-hmm provided and, and be able to deal with some of the things I laugh because in working with some of the high school kids I, I was telling them you know one of the things that happened when before I met my wife I actually physically wrote down a list of things I was like she will you know you know one of the things was she'll be a woman of faith mm -hmm. you know she'll manage your money you know she'll yeah. you know on this <laughs> list of I bet it was 25 or 30 things like this is this is what I need 
and uh, I remember I met my wife and we went out for dinner and kind of the Spanish Inquisition. I'm, well, <laughs> what about this? So uh, what's your finances It's like, no, I don't think it was that. But, you know, and I came home and I remember I looked at the little list and she hit all but like maybe two or three of these things. And I was like, well, I think this might be something I can work with. So, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and now I'm I'm pleased. But, but yeah, so now you're a little more equipped. You've met Nils. Yeah, so we um, we got together. We were together for a year and a half before we got married. And um, Nels had been separated from Connor's mom for about seven months, I believe, before we met. Um, the divorce took forever. Took longer than they were married. Wow. Um, and then she got you know, the primary custody and everything of Connor. So we would have him Wednesdays and every other weekend. And we saw so many things that we couldn't control. Like we would drop him off and she'd be just falling down drunk. And, you know, we'd call the police, can't do anything about it. She's in her own home, um, called DHS. We'll schedule a visit. You know, it's like all of the things that we thought we needed to do, we were just hitting roadblocks. and. Um, couldn't do anything to help him. And we hired private investigators to follow her, try to get anything to help us save Connor is what we really honestly thought. And um, then it just, God took over and he made things happen that we never ever imagined. You know, we were just hoping for 50-50. Yeah. And, um, so how old was Connor at this time? Connor I mean, was four. He was four? Mm-hmm. So. And so he remembers, because he's a very smart kid, he remembers, um, it's very, this interesting story, just tonight, he was in the car with me and he said, because they're talking about drug abuse and stuff like that in his health class, and I said, does that bother you at all? And he said, no. He said, Babe Ruth, he told me the story about Babe Ruth, and he said, um, you know, he said something that I took to heart. He said, when somebody in your life is not good, you take the good of that person and you apply that to your life and you just let go of the rest. And I was like, how crazy for a 13-year-old to be telling me this, you know? Yeah. So, but he was, uh, he was four at that time. By the time Connor was six, before he started kindergarten, he lived with us full time. And, um, you know, we, we were just in shock. What had happened, she got picked up for drunk driving and went to jail for four months. So during that time, then he was with us, even though she still had custody. Yeah, but since was, she was locked up. Since she was locked up. Um, so when she got out of jail, we um, had him. She still had custody of him, but she never really came back to to take over that right. She would see him on supervised um, visitations on the weekends, which one of us would have to be there. She'd be in our house and, you know, and I, I was fine with that because I, I honestly thought when she came out of jail, she would be changed, you know, and that's what we had wanted for Connor, to have a healthy mom. Yeah. And um, that didn't happen. It got basically worse. So by the time he started kindergarten, he was with us full time, and by the time he started first grade, maybe, was it first grade? Yeah, 
a year later, she had basically signed away rights. Um, so now she does not see him at all. She has no um, contact with him. And that none of that could have happened without God just laying this all out because because everything was a roadblock at first and you couldn't get you couldn't get and we thought we you know we thought we knew what we could do to get you know because we knew she was out drinking and driving and we thought if she'd get picked up for drunk driving that would help our cause and i mean it just and it was quick really i mean yeah fairly quick you know it's my parents were you know they they were divorced when i was very young um you know three four years old and i remember that even though I, I wasn't in a relationship with both of them, they still went to court regularly mm-hmm. for custody of me, you know, and custody of me and my brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a every year kind of thing, even though even though the relationships weren't there, you know, we it still was something and it, and it drug on and drug on and drug on, um, you know, at least how I kind of, how I remember it. But, you know, at least that way, you guys were kind of cut and dry and, and you can mm-hmm. just start that life. So now, he's 13 years old. I mean, he remembers his mother, and he remembers that situation somewhat. Mm-hmm. Does he desire a relationship? Do you know? Um, we talk very openly about okay. it a lot. Um, he. That's a, I think that's kind of unique too. I think that's healthy. I mean, yeah. And another thing too, her family tried to do an intervention with her after she got out of jail, and. Um, she basically, she has had no contact with them and they've had no contact with her since that. And that's been wow. six years now. And she is still here in Des Moines somewhere. And so we have Christmases with his aunts and uncles and his grandparents. So he still sees side. that side of the family. Absolutely, because that's not their fault, nor is it his. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's his family. And when he was living with his mom, he spent probably 75% of her time with them. Like they'd have them keep them overnight and stuff because she'd be going out. So it wasn't fair to him going into kindergarten with all those changes to be ripped out of everybody's life that he knew. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, he, he is, he does so well with it, but he, we had him, you know, in counseling for quite a few years just to be able to know how to deal with it and know how to talk through it. See, you know, and that's, I think that's neat though, because I think it, it, allows him to kind of maintain that control for himself. I know being uh, a child of a single mom, mm-hmm. you know, or a divorced household or however however you're which supposed is, to say it which, now. Yeah, which um, term you want to call it. You know, sometimes I think as a child, when I look back, that loss of control is really what led me to bad places. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I was so young, I didn't understand it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. And so now at least he knows that family, he knows that, and he can maintain that, that control and that, uh, that portion of himself that mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I didn't do well. And then, uh, you know, I think for you, I mean, divorce is a, is a thing that we deal with in, right. in this world. I mean, for, <laughs> I would say most of the relationships that I know of, you know the the stepmom mm-hmm. and the biological mom or family there's always this contention yeah, yeah. exactly and i think that it, it all all props to you because i think it takes a strong woman to just realize like hey this is what's best for my kids but that was all god yeah. i mean that was just 
all God. Because even her family, you know, when it first happened, were like, no, you need to see Connor come over to our house. Because we weren't going to allow him to leave at that point because it was still so shaky. We didn't know where she was, didn't know if she'd take him, you know. Yeah. And uh, they came in. And we talk about this now. They're like, we didn't, we didn't understand why you're being nice to us, you know. And she's, they, they're like, we, this wasn't we, what we expected. And I'm like, but why wouldn't we? Yeah. See, and that's what, I, you know, I mentioned earlier. I don't understand crazy, so it was really hard for me to understand the things that she would be doing. But God did equip me with, with a little taste of that, you know, personally. So, I don't understand why people would walk out of their kid's life. I don't. Yeah. You know? So. Um, and he just, he has been just the most amazing son, you know, and, um, when I got sick last year, he just, he was by my side entire time. And I mean, he, he spent the night with me. It was his birthday when I went in for surgery, when they found out that they got all the cancer, he spent the night on his birthday in the hospital room with me. Cause he said, the only thing I want for, for my birthday is to mom to not have cancer. What a sweet kid. So, so now, in in growing up, you know he's four or five. He's starting elementary school, and you get to experience that growth process with him. And that's you know that's mm -hmm. the age that my kids are now, and that's what we're going through. You know, you get to see the sports start, and mm -hmm. you get to see you know that uh, that wonderful four or five year old personality starting oh, to develop, gosh, yeah. and they want in that freedom and. And uh, were you always, I mean, were you mom? I know that that's, always, yeah. I know that that's, that's something that, that some families, uh, you know, my stepmother was never mom, mm -hmm. you know, my. Well, I was Gwen for, um, till probably second grade. Okay. I would, second or third grade, he started, and he like, we, I never said you need to call me mom. I never, we never even addressed it, you know, and. Every once in a while, he would say it, and I wouldn't react, yeah. you know, because I'm like, he needs to be comfortable. Did your heart just kind of go, Ooh, Oh, my mom. stomach about threw up, but no, <laughs> I'm kidding. He, uh, and now, I mean, now it's just always mom, you That's know, neat. my mom and dad, and, you know, because he didn't like being the kid at school that had a, had a mom like her. Yeah. And, but he could be proud of his mom right. that he and had. And he, yeah. um, he had some friends that knew that she was in jail and stuff, so that, that was hard for him to break away from that and to say dad and Gwen. And now he can say dad and mom. And, you know, it's just, I mean, easier for him, I believe. So. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So, so yeah, so he's growing up. What did he do when he was a kid? What do, I mean, what do you remember? Like, when you look back, do you, like, have an experience where you're just like, I'm so proud of that kid? Like, well, you know what? It, and again, I was always looking, in the beginning, I was always looking like, how can she walk away from this? Yeah. I mean, I would drop him off at school and just cry, watching him walk up to his little backpack and his little, you know, his <laughs> little cargo as shorts. Big as he and, is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just the cutest thing in the world. And just, you know, so many things that I got to experience him losing his front, his, his first tooth, and just everything all along the way. I, now I don't do it as much as I did in the beginning, but I was like, how can she not want to be part of this little boy's life? Yeah. And my heart was just overjoyed to see the things that, you know, and I mean, I have Jordan, she's a girl, and then I have this little boy, and then I'm like, he's completely different, and yeah. so. And so now, you have Jordan. Jordan is, is your 
My daughter. Daughter, mm -hmm. not with Nils, correct? Correct. Okay. So how did, I mean, how did the blending of the family work? Were they pretty open to that? Was it like, hey, great, I have a new little brother? Or was it yeah, so a little standoffish? Jordan is my daughter. Bailey is Nils's daughter <laughs> with a different mother. And then we have Connor. So Jordan and Bailey are 15 months apart. And they met when they were nine and seven. And they were never stepsisters. They were never anything but sisters and we our family has just bonded so well from the beginning the girls were enough alike but enough different that there wasn't a competition yeah jordan went to ankeny bailey went to grimes so that helped too i think but um they're best friends to this day see that's amazing yeah i mean they really this is my sister this is you know they never and connor too this is my little brother not neither one of them well it is bailey's half brother but you know, Jordan never, ever mentioned step, and even Bailey won't ever say stepmom. Yeah. Or Jordan say stepdad. These are my parents. You know, yeah. Bailey doesn't call me mom. She's got a mom. You know. But. So, so with the kids, I mean, do you think that? I think that that also is a kind of a unique situation. You know, I mean, I have, I have step brothers and sisters, and uh, you know. I, I guess we're we're pretty close. You know, I mean, we don't speak near as much as we should, but we live yeah. in different That's parts. Of, we live in different parts either. of the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think my closest sibling is six hours away, yeah. you know? And so, you know, we get to see each other on the phone or we go on a trip, we'll stop and see each other. But I know that in some of the households I've seen, that relationship between the siblings, too, is a little, there's a little rivalry there. There's a little uh, animosity about... Well, he got this and I didn't get this, right. you know, and how do you, how did you keep that contained in your family? I mean, you know, when we, when we first met, Jordan was nine, Bailey was seven, and we said it won't be fair to them or to us if Nels would discipline Jordan or if I would discipline Bailey. Okay. And they would support us, or he would support me or I would support him in his decision but i wouldn't be the disciplinarian because that wasn't fair to bailey that wasn't fair to me and with jordan and nils as well and we raised the girls that way they knew that bailey knew i was always there jordan knew that nils was always there but they knew that we were a, a united front yeah but we didn't make it so that there was ever a way that they had to be like well you know Jordan saying Nels got on to me and he let Bailey do such and such because that wouldn't happen You know, yeah. I would be the one to get on to her if she needed to be got on to <laughs> yeah, and then Connor we knew that he was young enough that we would raise him together and You know if he, he gets he gets it from both. He, sides. Yeah <laughs> Poor kid he gets spoiled rotten is what he gets but um, so, so we just we just had a united front in the beginning and we I mean both the girls know Christ through our household that was going to be my next question is yeah. have they always been i know that i know that you and nils have been very active mm -hmm. in in church and in different religious mm -hmm. contexts um but how about the kids I mean, they both both of the girls and connor too from I mean, when they were young yeah they i mean because we were we had them you know jordan was the junkyard and you know bailey couldn't because of her school schedule and grimes but you know they knew we were in church every sunday and I mean, not that Bailey's mom or Jordan's dad aren't Christian. They just didn't take them to church like we did. Not regular. You know, not regularly. Yeah. Um, 
so that's where they they learned it and like bailey now she and her boyfriend up in ames they go to salt you know up yeah. at the, i don't know what that stands for do you uh no but Students. i know it's huge yeah it is huge <laughs> and they they won't miss it because like a lot of times we'll do thursday night dinners here and she's like no we have to go to church you know yeah and jordan now she's dating a boy and she she said that's a non-negotiable item for me you know if you don't believe then that's a non-negotiable item so that that's pretty strong that makes me feel I mean, good yeah. yeah well that's that's neat um so you got this relationship now. I mean, he's spending his time with you. You know, nothing more than he wants this for you to be this healthy, good mom. I mean, what are you? What are you dreaming? I mean, what are your what are your wishes for him? I mean, just that he is continues to be as solid as he is. Yeah. I mean, he's got a strong. Fa I mean, for a thirteen year old, it's amazing. He he's kind of like the all rounded kid. He's got his faith. He's got his friends. He's good at sports. And he's got good grades. I just really wish for him that he always looks at the good yeah. like he does now, you know, and is always a positive force and just he is always the first one to mention things to be thankful for and, you know, I mean, he's just a funny, positive person in our house always and I just hope that he learns from Nils and I what a true relationship is and that you always put God first. and how to treat a woman because his father treats me very well and respects women um, yeah you know i mean that's what i want for him well, sometimes those things aren't the things we're taught you know what I mean? right. it's 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 hard you know and and in some of the conversations i've had with other men you know about how do men behave in the world we don't always have this great role model you know if you're especially if your father's not there in your life you know what do we have to look at we have movies and tv and the guy's always a buffoon or something mm -hmm. that's super macho that we can't you know yeah. not gonna Relate run down the street with yeah. a you know with a some crazy machine gun and get in fights <laughs> and blow up a building in the background yeah, you know and so race cars or whatever yeah and so where does you know that's that's a really hard place you know where does a man learn how to mm -hmm. to well, treat i think a, a lot of men too feel like they have to please their dad and they, they fight for that and not even really know what that means sometimes. I don't know. It's a whole other subject. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, know, I never thought about that. I mean, uh, what do you, I mean, just by pleasing as in like, like trying to appease the ideas that- live up to what they- Dad think. was an all-star football player, right. I better be one too yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that type of thing, so. yeah. So, I don't know, I mean, I think, I mean, I know that Nell's I mean, he's the kind that will always hold the door for me, always walk behind me, always, you know, walk on the right side of the sidewalk to be protected and everything. To a point, sometimes it drives me crazy because I'm like, just go in the door, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, he learned that from his dad, you know, and I believe that Connor will learn that from him, too. It's just... He grew up to be a good man. Just, yeah, he yeah. did. So. So, um, so now you said a little bit about being sick. Um, how did that affect the family? I mean... Did, oh well <laughs> i mean you know i mean they're there beside you and they're going through it um it's interesting because jordan was 21 and she ran away from it yeah um just too much to kind it, of take too in. much her age and it's i you know researched it too and it was it's true to that age frame it affects them more because they think it could be them starting to come to terms with your, your right. mortality yeah and you know like connor i don't think connor ever thought he was going to get cancer where jordan 
that thought immediately crossed her mind. So she packed up and moved to Florida <laughs> for six weeks, and then I had to go get her and bring her back. But <laughs> <laughs> the vacation, a long a vacation. Bit long vacation. I knew she was there for me, and I knew she was praying for me, but she wasn't. She couldn't handle seeing me without hair. Yeah. She couldn't see, you know. And when we told Connor about it, you know, I told him, I said, cancer's a scary word. I said, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I said, I will always be here for you. And I said, when I get sick or when I start to lose my hair, that doesn't mean I'm getting sick. That means I'm getting better. Because yeah. that is the chemo working then, or the medicine working. And so he... Uh, he was, I mean, him and the little neighbor boys all shaved their head with me. And, you know, I mean, it was just... That kind of support. Yeah. So. Um, and Bailey being in nursing school, I think she uh, was very interested in what is your doctor saying? What is, you know, that type of thing. Because on the medical side of things, she wanted to know. But, um, no, it was, it was interesting how Jordan reacted to me. Yeah. Um, so now what kind of cancer did you have? I had breast cancer, okay, and I have the what's called the BRCA gene, BRCA one, and that means I carry a gene that is breast, ovarian, and pancreas cancer. Yeah, and um, so then after uh, the cancer is removed, I had to have the double mastectomy and the hysterectomy to get my ovaries out, so the cancer won't spread there. I'm the youngest of of nine kids, and I've mm -hmm. lost a brother to pancreas cancer, sister to breast cancer. And we, they, we have all been tested now for the gene. And in our family, we have, it has to come from a parent. So mm -hmm. like my sister was tested negative, so her kids don't have to worry about it. But in our family, there's 17 of us that either have cancer, had cancer, or have the BRCA gene right now. So it was very, very prevalent that we didn't know about until I was diagnosed. See, and that's, you know, it's something that kind of hits pretty close to home for me too, because we lost my mother-in-law just right over a year ago now um, to ovarian cancer mm -hmm. and um, you know she fought for 14 15 years mm -hmm. you know and they gave her a really short window you know a couple yeah. years to live and you know it, it was fortunate for us that we did have so much time to spend with her yeah um, you know and and for being a lady she never really was in recovery um, and so you know, we we seen the ups and the downs and the sickness, and and for m me and my wife were together for ten years of it, roughly something mm -hmm. close to that. Um, you know, and so I wasn't there at the beginning, but um, you know, just to see how that how that worked for her, and you know, I'm I'm glad that she, you know if she would have only had a couple years, she never would have got to see her grandkids Grand born, kids, never yeah. seen the marriages, never seen, you know, I mean, all the, you know, all this stuff, even, we, you know, we talk about with kids that it's so neat that we get to see these things. I look forward to those things with my kids. I, do I get to see you get married? Do I get to see all these milestones? And I feel fortunate that she was able to experience those things with us. Oh, absolutely. Um, maybe she might not have had the opportunity to, um, but my wife actually went and had genetic testing done too to find out um, whether she carried carried the, carried the gene or not and i was really nervous you know her she her mom has had ovarian cancer she's had other people in her family cancer i mean it's just it's it runs in her family mm -hmm. as well and you know it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it it just means that your chances are less your yeah. chances are less and uh 
you know, I was talking to her, you know, and I, I put myself in those shoes and I, I just say, man, do I, what I really want to know? I just, uh, it scares me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but she went and she did it. And I remember the day she was getting her test back and I was so nervous, you know, I'm like, you know, because you know that it's, if something's bad, we're going to have to have that conversation that mm. we don't want to have. Right. <laughs> you know, and so I just, I, you know, I'm just sitting there nervous and she came, she got the results and she called me and she said, hey, I came back, I have no genes. Good. So we're, we're so fortunate for that. But yeah, it can be such a... Well, and they, when my sister, I mean, she passed away in 2000, so she's been gone now 16 years, but I remember the genetic testing was just coming out yeah and i had one of my i don't know when i was you know my OBGYN checkup they said that i should be tested for that and you know if i was positive i mean the doctor that i had at the time didn't explain it correctly because she was like basically you won't have ovaries anymore you won't have boobs anymore you know and i'm like well i'm not ready to turn into a man i didn't want to be tested yeah um but now knowing what i know if i would have been tested I wouldn't be sitting here right now with cancer, previous cancer. I, yeah. I would have, I would have taken the measures to take care of it the, before, yeah. you know. Um, so uh, Jordan had to make that decision. They won't do anything. Like I have a couple nieces that are positive, but they won't do anything to them until they're 25. Okay. And um, so Jordan was 21, and she had to make that decision, and she didn't want to know at first, and. Um, but she did, and she was in Florida when she got the results, and I know what you mean. I mean, yeah. I was a nervous wreck for her, but she came back negative, so that was, that was good news. For a little party. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I've always kind of wondered is, you know, as a, as a person of faith, when you get an illness like that, how, does, how do you rationalize some of those things? I mean... You know, I think we all handle things differently, but in, like in your case, was it ever like a why, why me, you know, any anything like that? Or was it just like, hey, God, there's another fight. We're going to do this and yeah. see what comes out of it. Or I never had a poor me attitude because I knew I couldn't. Okay. Um, and honestly, when I got the phone call that it was positive, and I kind of knew that it was going to be positive, um, I think I just went into reactive mode because I needed to protect my family. Yeah. I did not want them to be scared. I did not want Connor to be scared. I did not want him to be motherless again. And the entire time I think I was in protective mode of my family more than I was worried about myself because I knew in my head I was going to beat it. I knew God and I were going to make this work, you know. Yeah. And um, It's not time for you to move in yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I knew that my family would would hear the word cancer and be freaked out. It's scary, you know. Yeah. It really is. I mean, that's. But I don't, you know. I watch shows and you know people get the news and they just collapse. And I'm like, I don't remember having that feeling that I had to be. Oh my God, this is really happening to me. I don't think I still even realize that I really went through it. <laughs> I just like yeah. you know, there's just another thing that. Uh, no, I was just was more. I just needed to protect Connor. That was, honestly, that was my biggest concern. I wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to be scared or affected or just that parent yeah. instinct kind of yeah. kicks in. Mother thing. So. You know, I think. I mean, I know guys care, but I just think there's a difference between. I, 
Uh, as a guy, there's <laughs> the motherly instinct is a big thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the caring and compassion and, yeah. you know, it's that don't get between a mom and bear and her cub kind of thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, so. and I feel bad saying that I, I, I felt like I was fighting for Connor because obviously I was fighting for my family, but I knew Jordan and Bailey and Nels would be okay. Yeah. But I knew if Connor lost another mom, he would have trouble, yeah. you know? And he's, he's a mama's boy, so. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, I think that that's, that's a pretty neat way to, to look at it and experience it, you know, because I think far too often, you know, when, when we get in these times of struggle and, and questioning, the, one of the first things, I mean, believers, as sad as it is we do, is we wonder, why oh, God yeah. do this to me? You know, why, what did I do to deserve this? And, you know, I think that, it helps. I always look back at some of those things and the, the sicknesses and the different things that have affected me, never to the extent of cancer you didn't get or, bald. <laughs> or life-threatening. Never, not by choice. I mean, give me, give me another give me 10 years, you know, and, and it might happen. But uh, um, God just equips us for these mm-hmm. moments and the ability to be able to take that. And I know uh, Neil shared that you guys did some work with divorce care Mm -hmm. Um, and now it opens you up to be able to reach out to a whole new group of people Mm -hmm. who you know you can say hey I've experienced this I've been through this and you know I think that there's very few things in life that people value when you're going through a situation as much as somebody else who's been through that situation. Well and I truly believe that you're put in situations so that you can help others go through it. Yeah. Um, Actually one of the ladies that I work with her and I are going to um, start a Facebook page for realtors that have gone through it because there's so many of us, you know, so yeah. many women just in Des Moines area. So, you know, just it's just a support group. And when you get the news, a lot of people just, they tell you their story. This is what happened to me. And I finally got, I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. I have to just, I know that I'm going to be okay. I just have to give this all to God because, you know, one person say, oh, on day 13, you're going to lose your hair. On day 16, you're going to get mouth sores. You're going to, you know, and all this different stuff. And I'm like, I can't live that way. Yeah. I can't be looking at the clock saying, okay, it's midnight. Day 13 is my hair falling out today. Yeah. You know, so oh, I think I lost a piece. Yeah. 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 Oh no, it comes in chunks. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's no question when it happens, it happens. So I think at that moment too, because you do, I mean, you get the news and Within the first five days, I think we saw 10 different doctors. We were just, our heads were spinning, you know, and every time we'd get a different plan of action. And you're trying to figure out which one is the yeah, best. Yeah, and or... honestly, I wish I would have stepped back and researched it more before I jumped in. I mean, from the day I got the news, 10 days later, I was had my first chemo treatment. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of time to do research, but... You know, and, and I think sometimes they just... I think doctors sometimes get just as scared, you know, immediately let's do this, you know, and I did a, a short time as a EMT and I worked in a, I did a clinical rotation type thing and uh, um, I worked in the emergency room at one of the local hospitals and I remember there was a guy, I'll never forget it because in school, you know, you go to school and they teach you if somebody tells you that they're sick, they're sick, right? But then you, you know, you have to do some time on an ambulance and you get called to a house and it's a lonely 
mm-hmm. lady who just wants some company, you know, and yeah. do you want us to take you in? Well, no, somebody will be here in 15 minutes. Well, you know, yeah. and, and you kind of get a little scorned. And, and I never really, even in the ER, the amount of people who come in that are drug seekers mm-hmm. or different things like that. And real quickly, you forget this idea that um, if somebody says they're sick, they're sick. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of like, all right, here comes another yeah. one. And there was this guy who came in. He was he complained about shaking. He he's like, whenever I eat, I shake. And the guy's been there was a long wait. It's the middle of the night in the ER, and uh, you know he it's all he kept complaining about. When I eat, I shake, and I, I I can't stop. And the guy's been there for an hour plus. Never seen the guy shake. You know he's acting fine. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up uh, giving him. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's uh, like prescription Dramamine, like the seasick pills. It just makes you so you don't get dizzy. And pretty much they gave it to him and said, have a, have a good night. The guy kind of threw a fit, you know. He's been to other hospitals. They gave him the same thing. Nobody knows what's wrong with him. They just keep passing him along. And uh, he pretty much said, well, I'm not leaving until you tell me what's wrong with me. Run some tests, do something. And... I remember the the doctor, you know, said, "All right, well, let's let's go for a walk. We'll see what happens." And uh, I helped the guy out of his bed, walked him. You know, I'm I'm the helper, so I yeah. got him by his <laughs> arm and I walk him out into the hallway, make sure everything's fine, he doesn't fall. And the doctor walks down the hallway a little bit. And he's all right. Walk to me, and uh, I got the guy by the arm. And uh, as we start walking, I mean, his whole body is just shaking. I mean, not like a seizure. I mean, he's still making his way down, but he's just pretty fast. I mean, it's just twitching. His whole body is. And I mean, I could understand you couldn't eat when you were shaking that much. And so he walks down to the doctor and, and, you know, I'm trying not to make any expression. You know, I'm like, I'm a pro. I'm like, it's my first day. Let's see, you know. (laughs) But, you know, it's better than my first. But, you know, I'm still new at this. And so I'm trying to play it cool. And I'm like, oh, doctor, did you see that? But... You know, and the doctor's like, all right, thank you. Walk back to your bed. And the guy turns around and walks straight line back to his bed. And <laughs> we get him back in his bed, and I go to the doctor, and I said, that was weird. And he's like, yeah, he made it up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know, I'm the, you're, the, you're the doctor. You went to school. <laughs> I just went for a couple <laughs> weeks to get a certificate. And uh, uh, they ended up scheduling the guy to run an MRI and a CAT scan and all this kind of stuff. And so they uh, sent him off to get a CAT scan and they bring him back and, and I walk in and I see the doctor in his little little office and stick my head in and, and I said, well, what are you looking at? And he's like, well, this is that guy's CAT scan. And I said, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I know how to take a pulse. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not examining CAT scans. And so he starts showing me the stuff and the guy had tumors all over in his brain. You're kidding. No, and uh, and so that's the tumors were pushing on different things in his brain, and so when he would perform certain tasks, it would cause him to, to start to shake. shaking. And I, I never found out. I'm, we took the guy, we called in for emergency surgery, and the guy went in for emergency brain surgery. Um, I never found out what happened to him. I never anything like that. But, Isn't you know, that, that, really, that really put a, it really grounded me again to just say, hey, you know, when somebody tells you something, you got to listen, mm-hmm. you know, and... and uh, listen to your body. Yeah, you know? you know. And I think a lot of times, too, people are like, oh, I just have the cold, or I just have an ache in my foot, or whatever. 
and they just put it off and you know you really do need to pay attention to those things because you never know yeah you know i, I remember the first patient that i ever had um pass while i was doing cpr mm. um i was in the er again at the same hospital and uh i mean it was amazing to me to this day i mean it's been years ago but i can still tell you what was wrong with this girl she was in a in a accident and you know she had some major injuries all over her body um you know i still i couldn't tell you what her face looked like but i could tell you you know what was wrong with her left leg and what this was and you know, i remember a team of probably 10 people working on her you know i remember i was giving her cpr and they were um cutting check like you know i'm i'm mm. a bigger guy you know and so i was the one that's doing this and they picked this little nurse because she could fit in between me and the cot and she was given chest tubes oh while i was given cpr you know they we worked on the lady for a long time you know, she ended up passing and it was interesting to me because i had to after we got done there i mean it was this you know this rush i mean everything you know the doctor kind of stands and just gives orders you know what i mean you do you know yeah. i need this i need this administer this and you're just going by i mean it's just this not, I mean, not rush in like a good way but like just this adrenaline's kind of right. moving i leave there and i'm kind of like in shock like mm -hmm we couldn't do it i mean because other people came in heart attacks and they didn't have a pulse they didn't have the stuff and next thing you know they're going again. they're going again yeah. <laughs> you know and and this one didn't go again and i had to walk from there and i walk over to the little bay that i was supposed to be working in and the nurse was like all right hey i got somebody in this room go get them hooked up to the machines and so i walk in there and do my initial hey how are you you know what's mm -hmm. wrong with you and and you know oh i have pain right here you know points to her stomach and you know i give the little push and does this hurt well it doesn't hurt right now <laughs> and like i just remember being like you don't get like it. what i just yeah. went through and now i have to come in you know what i mean yeah. and it was just yeah just the amount of the difference that you can experience in, well, and in the way people things. take things too we've got a friend of ours his wife went through um a situation and he had to sit in the waiting room because she was having a two-hour surgery and he just it was an awful situation for him and i finally said yeah nels had to sit through six and a half hours three times for me yeah you know it's like quit complaining yeah <laughs> you're at least she's gonna be okay you know i mean so yeah. i'm sure it's that way for everybody but as a, as a man kind of want to be in control sometimes mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if there's a some of the times i get the most nervous is when I'm in a situation that I can't control. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And just that sitting and waiting and staring at a wall and watching that clock, that little second hand just click and that it goes was, so Honestly, slow. that was the worst part is the not knowing. Yeah. When the diagnosis came, we didn't know. It was on a Thursday and we didn't get into the doctor till Monday. So the whole time we didn't know, you know, what stage it was. We didn't know, you know, it's the not unknown that was, those were the worst five days that i was fine i knew what i had to do to make it right so yeah it's funny we went in um had some people at church pray for me before i went into my first treatment and i walked in there and i had jammed my thumb on something and i literally sat down and i'm like 
honestly, this hurts. I don't think I ever really said to myself, you have cancer, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I sat down in that prayer group and I'm like, okay, well, can you pay for my, pray for my thumb? <laughs> and I walked out of there and my thumb was fine. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think I ever really. That's quite a, I mean, that's just a, an amazingly positive way to be. Well, you can't, if you, if you walk into it and say, because they said, I, they track in five different things. Um, and the five markers that I had, I don't remember what they are now, but I was the worst of the worst in all of them. And honestly, even here in that, I was determined that I was not going to leave Connor. I mean, I wasn't going to do it, so. Yeah. That's, I mean, he's he's a lucky kid. He really is. I'm I mean, the lucky one. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, from just the way that your family behaves and interacts and those things i mean it's it's neat to sit on the outside and look in and oh well, we're far from perfect <laughs> no i mean nobody's perfect no, but I mean, you know i mean i mean we are really blessed with our kids do love each other yeah. very very much and just having known you guys i mean just i remember there's there's only a couple things that i really think you know i being a, a young parent i always I'm concerned with screwing my kids up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, Lord, please just don't let me mess them up, right? Don't let and, them turn out like I was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember I, I met with this kid, and, and he was uh, a high school kid. And we were talking, and he, he sat down, and, and I was talking to him about his home life and some different things like that. And he told me some, something came up, and he said, well, you know, at least I know my dad loves me. And, and I was like, you know, I hope that when I have a 17-year-old kid, he can go meet with somebody and he can say, you know what, my dad loves me. Yeah. And because that's not normal conversation that some of these kids have. Right. And, you know, I think that the way that, you know, you guys have explained your family and from the outside looking in, I think that it's neat to see that kind of love and that kind of upbringing in a kid you know i mean every family has their argument and their yeah. bickering and, and those things but you know what it's it's those big things it's those big things that matter you know what i mean we we will all get upset about oh yeah something Dirty little that happened or whatever yeah. It is, yeah but you know what at the end of the day when you can still say it's my birthday mm -hmm. and i want to be with you mm -hmm. you know here's here's what's going on in my life you know I know I know my mom loves me. You know what I mean? Those are the those are those moments that I think really separate yeah. You know, a, a kid and, and a family and, and how they've been brought up. Well and I think Connor probably knows that more than the girls too, just because I think he never felt safe until he got to our house. Yeah. You know, um I mean he talks about he would hear um his biological mom, you know, yelling at people on the phone. You know, he'd hear voices of men that he never knew when he was in his room. I mean, he was scared, yeah. you know. And um, I don't think he ever really felt safety until he came here or to our house. And I mean, still to this day, he won't sleep with his door open, his bedroom door open. You know, I mean, he still has that, those little things that, you know, we're like, don't, shut it we don't need to trigger anything that doesn't need to be triggered yeah you know? exactly but kind of a that idea of 
you got to be sad to know when you're happy. You right. know what I mean? Sometimes, if you you know that makes sense. If you you know you live, sometimes you feel unsafe. Once you're safe, you really know you're safe. Yeah. What safe is? You know, I think a lot of us just kind of. Oh, you know, somebody yeah. cut me off. That was unsafe. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Where, you know, we don't really always grasp what unsafe is. Right. So that we don't Until always grasp what safe is. Right. So I think that's... Yeah, and he, you know, I mean, I think he understands too that we have rules and we have things that he needs to abide by, but he appreciates those because like his cousins, you know, the the mom and dad over there love them to death. They just, their kids run the house. It's crazy over there, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he'll come home and say aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so you know they don't say anything when their kids do this and that and that and he said you guys would do whatever but i think he knows that's right and because he, he's never said i wish you wouldn't do it <laughs> i don't know he yeah. never seems too upset about it anyway. you know it's, it's funny too you know i especially uh in my dad here i'll i'll reprimand my kids for something you know, there's ways we behave especially right. when we're in public you know yeah. what i mean if you want to act like a pack of animals when yeah. we're at home <laughs> that's fine but you know when we're in public you got a way to act and you know my dad's been oh you can't don't don't get mad at my grandkids like if it would have been me yeah what, you know what would you what would you have done yeah. you know and so i think that's funny but uh well i think we'll we'll get wrapping this thing up here in just a little bit um but before we do i mean i, I would just one of the things I'd like is for you to to maybe you've shared a whole lot of yourself and some of your thoughts and the wisdom that you've had of your experience. But if there's somebody going through the stepkid child dynamic, is there anything that you could tell them to kind of help them move forward? Honestly, probably the the best thing you can do as a stepmom or a step parent is to be just be there. Yeah. And realize that at one point, your now husband or wife loved that parent, you know, that other, that child's parent, other parent. Yeah. And there's good in that person somewhere. And don't ever put the parents down in front of the child, ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we would never do that to this day. And Connor's mom has lots of things that we could say bad about her, you know, but never, ever put that child's parent down. I mean, that's just... And I think that we see that a lot with mm -hmm. kids coming up is pitting one parent against the other, yeah. you know what I mean? And trying to get that kid to choose a side. And they hear, you know, oh, your dad's of this or your mom's of that. Well, they think, you know, that's part of me. So am I bad too? Treat the child as a child. Love on them. Just be there for them. Don't get caught up in the drama of the parents. Yeah. You know, I mean, be somebody that, that they know that they can trust or go to and just be, just be them. Satisfied with that relationship that you, you yeah. can have. What about, I know that you, you talked a little bit, I mean, we kind of hit two pretty big topics, really. <laughs> I said um, we can go on for a while, but yeah. well, <laughs> got to eat dinner sometime. Got to eat dinner sometime. <laughs> so I know that you talked about possibly you guys are getting the Facebook support group set up, stuff like that. There's, there's people out there and you know that, that might be going through that as well. What about staying positive, getting through illness, those kinds of things? Is there anything that, that we can wrap up with that one too? I just truly believe that you can do anything you set your mind to. And if you tell yourself you're going to get through it, you're going to get through it. If you tell yourself you're going to be sick, you're going to be sick. Yeah. You know, 
I'm just a mind over matter person. You just have to have the faith and you have to just just go after it head on and don't look back and don't say poor me because the only one you're hurting when you say poor me is yourself. So just grab it by the head and just go and say you're not taking me down. I'm going you know? to beat it. I'm going to beat it and honestly that <laughs> I mean I can't imagine going through it and being a poor me kind of person because I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Honestly. But well I'm glad you are. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so yeah, and, you know, and, and thanks so much for just sitting down and being so honest and open and of course willing to to help and and share some of your stuff with anybody who will, yeah who will listen. So, well, Gwen, thank you so much. Thank you. No problem. everybody i hope that you enjoyed the show remember you can always keep up to date on the website at godwatchlive.com and join the conversation with us on facebook at the godwatch podcast remember to have a great week and be blessed